1: Uh, There's these three guys, they entered heaven, and the angel out there says, you better be ready to tell me what will give me the reason to let you in. And so this, this old man came up first, and the angel asked him, how old are you? He said, I'm 102. Angel said, it looked like you lived long enough. What do you have to show for the life that you've been given? He said, well, you know, even though I had all kinds of troubles in my long life, I can proudly tell you that i have served my neighbor i have built houses for the poor i fed the hungry i've done all of these wonderful things in the 102 years that i had been given and the angel said oh you got me there you you know i have no choice but to let you in so the guy went in next guy stood up the angel asked him how old are you he said i'm 65 well, you know, that's really not a long life, but that's still long enough. What do you have to show for the 65 years that you've had? Well, I had through troubles, had to go through troubles in life, and I must admit I didn't get a chance to do the, the great things that this old man had done. But I had been faithful to my wife. I have raised a good family. I've been honest. I paid my taxes. I had been a good citizen. So I think I earned my way to enter heaven. The angel says. Well, maybe, but go ahead, go in. It's good enough. Then this third guy came up. The angel asked him, how old are you? 24. You didn't seem like you're old enough to be able to earn your way to heaven. You must not have done a whole lot. You're only 24 years old. He said, no, no, I've I've been been a freeloader. I lived with my parents. I stole. I cheated. But there's this one thing that I can tell you that I'm very proud of. Is this one time when I saw this group of bikers harassing this young lady. And I want you to know I did the honorable thing. I went up to those guys and defended the girl. And the angel says, wow, that's great. When did it happen? Five minutes ago. <laughs> oh, it's funny. That's not How you go to heaven, all right? Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, and that's the goal of living, and that's the Christian life. The Christian life is about living that life that God called blessed the blessed life, and what happens. To us is that we forget that God is the author of life. He's the giver of life. He has given us everything so that we will be able to live that life that Jesus, His one and only Son, promised that every person can live out if they put their faith and trust in Him. That's why I appreciated that testimony because that's where the true, blessed life begins. And what happens when we ignore that, we ignore... And dishonor the one thing that God says I want all people to have. Do you know that God wants you to have a blessed life? And you need to understand what that blessed life is all about. In our Bible text this morning, I'm going to read them to you. Bear with me. I'm not going to go preach for very long this morning. I'm going to pray for people after the service But in our story this morning, it's found in the Old Testament book of Numbers. If you have a Bible, uh, you may want to turn there. If you don't, we print out our scriptures in our church. This is the story of God's ancient people called the the nation of Israel. They uh, were the nation that God chose to bestow His redemptive blessings to the world. So we look to this nation as God's uh, blueprint, for what he wanted to do for the rest of humanity. Uh, this nation has gone through so many hardships and trials in their existence as a nation. Okay? They were held captives in Egypt. And they were enslaved there for hundreds and hundreds of years. And finally they cried out to God. And God says, I'm going to send you a deliverer. His name was Moses. Now, you know Moses from the movie The Ten Commandments, but we're not going to go there. We're going to go to the Bible. God sent them a a deliverer named Moses. And Moses went up to Pharaoh, and Moses said to Pharaoh, you have to let my people go because God has heard their cries, and you must release them. And so, uh, to make a uh, long story short, uh, Pharaoh didn't believe in all of that, and God sent plagues to the land of Egypt until finally uh, Pharaoh, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was convinced that God's hand was upon these people, and he had to let them go. And God says, when you leave slavery in Egypt, I'm going to take you from that place of slavery to a place called Canaan, which is a promised land flowing with milk and honey. That's what God promised that nation. He promised that he's going to deliver them from being slaves in one country, and he's going to give them their own land filled with milk and honey. But between that place of slavery and that place of milk and honey, there's a desert that they have to go through, a challenging terrain that they had to go through. And it's inevitable that God wanted to test their obedience, their faith, their uh, resolve in trusting God. So what happens was, as they were traveling from Egypt, the place of slavery, to the promised land, they encountered so many trials, so many problems. Okay, And we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. One. I'm just going to read it. You follow along. This, this will make sense as we go through um, the message. It says, now the people complained about their hardships. Remember, God is delivering them from a place of slavery <laughs> to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. And they found themselves in the middle of the desert going through some trials, some hardships. The people complained about their bur- hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. God got angry. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When, when the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Tabera because fire from the Lord has burned among them. Okay, so God uh, heard their complaints. And they're going through hardships, and they started complaining and complaining and complaining, and God got angry because of their complaint. We're going to find out why. And so God sent them a message by sending fire. (laughs) Instead of solving their problems and their complaints, God sent fire, and they cried out to their Redeemer. His name was Moses, and Moses prayed, and God stopped the fire. Verse 4, the rabble with them began to crave other food. So they're done complaining about the hardships. Now they're complaining about food. The rabble among them complained about craving for other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Now we move to verse 31. Now a wind went out. They were crying because they wanted to have meat, and all they have is this manna. I'm going to explain what that manna means. Now, picking up in verse 31, God heard their complaints again, got angry. And now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. All that day and night and all the next next day the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than ten homers. Then they spread them out all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth, and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against the people, and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth Hatava, because because there they buried the people who had craved other food. Now, what's the point of this story? The point of this story, and it's one of those stories in the Bible that I'd like you to really absorb and and revisit, because this explains God's purpose for blessing our life, okay? God said, you are in slavery, I'm going to take you to a promised land, and in between, you are going to be tested as to your faith, as to your trust, and as to your obedience. And there is that place that's coming, but in between, you're going to have to go through some trials. That's something we don't want to hear because we have a different understanding of what a blessed life looks like. When we hear of blessings, we always think about what's in it for me. How am I going to benefit From this thing. But it's very clear that when God says, I'm going to bless you, He's not doing it for your pleasure, He's not doing it for your benefit, He's doing it for His glory first. That's a biblical principle. That's a principle in the Christian life that we need to capture. God's goal for blessing people is for people to give Him glory. And when we give Him the glory that He deserved through an act of worship, what happens is he brings divine satisfaction. In Christianity, two words must define our uh, understanding of blessing, okay? And those two words are satisfaction and contentment. Satisfaction and contentment. Now, the book of Numbers is a book of transition. The people were being brought out from slavery. to a a promised land, and they needed to be taught how to trust God, how to obey God, how to do all of that, so that when they reach that place, they will ultimately give true thanksgiving and glory to God. That's the aim and purpose of life. This may be a historical event, but this is an analogy of the Christian life. All of us in this room, if you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been brought from darkness to light. You've already been given that salvation. You You have crossed over from death to life. When you come to faith in Jesus, that's what God says you already have. So when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you get that. You get that life, that abundant life that leads to eternal life. But between that place of salvation all the way to that eternal life, Comes many challenges. Many victories, many triumphs, but many challenges. Because God intends to lift up his name in your life and mine. As we go through that desert period in our relationship with God, we need to understand that the blessing that God is talking about when it comes to when it comes to that word, a blessed life, that blessing is is that relationship we have with God in the journey of life that we have. That defines who we are. We are defined by our relationship with God, but by how much we want to honor His name, despite or in spite of what's going on in between. I I can't explain and, 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 and pound that point enough to all of us who are Christians. This life, It will be filled with challenges, will be filled with trials, all because God has a purpose of demanding faith and trust and obedience from us for the purpose of us glorifying His name. And in return, we will receive that satisfaction and contentment. The chief aim of life is to give glory to God, experience satisfaction and contentment, So that when we get to heaven, we can enjoy Him forever. That's the main goal of the Christian life. We can't substitute that for anything in this world. We as people, we try to solve our own problems on our own. I'm not saying we can't do that. We're trying to look for answers everywhere else. To try to fill the the emptiness that we feel. We try to concoct with solutions uh, uh, answers to our own desires. And we forget that God is the author of this life and God wants to bless this life and the blessing that God wants to give you is the blessing of a relationship with Him which leads to contentment and satisfaction. Not riches, not having success in everything that we do, but the understanding that this life that we're in is temporal. If you're a handsome guy this morning, that's temporary. Ladies, if you think you're too hot, (laughs) that's also temporary. There's a point in your life where you're going to take out those photo albums and you will not believe how you've changed. You will not believe how time flies and how things change. So God says, be wise about this thing. And you need to understand that your goal is to content and satisfy yourself with me. If I'm honored in your life, you're going to find contentment. Okay? The chief aim of life is to glorify God and to experience satisfaction here on earth. So God speaks to us about this whole thing about blessing. And in our story, I'm going to give you four uh, quick reasons how to dishonor that blessing. How we sometimes fall into the trap of dishonoring God in the life that He has promised to give us. Okay, just four things very quickly. And then I'm going to give you four things that will bring us back to honoring the blessing that God has given us. Okay? Four ways That we can progressively fall out of that honorable life, that blessed life that God has given us. And four ways to get back. Number one, sometimes we get in the way of God's blessing. Sometimes we dishonor God's blessing of life when we become dissatisfied with God's promises. That's the first thing you and I need to examine about ourselves. Sometimes we realize that, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm trusting God. But I'm dissatisfied with what he already says. That's unbelief. Okay, the, the people uh, in, in our story, God already delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And God says, I'm going to give you a land filled with milk and honey and it's going to be your land. And you know what they did? They started complaining. They did not see the big picture. They did not see the promise. They were dissatisfied with the promise of God. All they can see was the hardships that they're feeling right now, regardless of what God already says. And that's where it begins. That's when we begin to dishonor this blessed life that God has given us. We become dissatisfied with what He promised to us. God provided for them for everything that they needed, and yet they were dissatisfied. Look at verse 4. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we have meat. Apparently, God has given, they were asking for food, they were hungry in the desert, and God sent them this thing called manna. You've heard the word manna, right? You know what that word manna means? The word is not a word, it's a question. The word manna means, what is it? That's what the word manna is. In other words, they were hungry in the desert, and they said, God, give us something to eat, and God gave them manna. They don't know what it is, but they had to eat it. Okay. it's funny because you you know they, they ask God for food and God gave them a question. And sometimes God does that. Because, because we need to be satisfied with what God said. We need to train ourselves to satisfy ourselves with what God already says. When we become dissatisfied, we begin to question why God is doing the things that he's doing. In this case, the the people were hungry. They were craving for food. God gave them manna, and they were dissatisfied with that because they don't know what it was. It's some kind of a substance, some kind of a bread thing. They don't know what it's called. But they want meat. They want something better than what God is giving them at the moment. You know the Christian life? The Christian life is like eating crab. Uh, If you eat crab, you like crab? I mean there's meat in there somewhere, right? But in order to get there, you gotta crack the skin, you gotta peel it out, you gotta pull it out. I mean so much work. And sometimes life can get can be that way. But God promised, I'm gonna give you that life, and you're gonna have have it blessed because your relationship with me, I'll satisfy you. I will make you content. Now, the word satisfaction here is not meant for us to say God is going to give us everything He want, everything we want. Satisfaction here is trusting and hoping in God despite of what you're going through. Okay? There's an old saying that says when God is glorified, the people are satisfied. And that's true. You know, you can. You and I can can. Uh, you know, can 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 dream of things that we want. We can hope for things that we want, and we can we can ask God for things that we want. But you know what? There comes a point when we need to examine the motives of our heart. Why am I asking God for all of these things? Why am I asking God for all this money? Why am I go- asking God for this or for that? You need to change. You need to check the motives of the heart. Okay. Because God says, I promise to give you abundant life. But that abundant life means you have to trust me. And that when I give that to you, you're going to be satisfied. Satisfaction is the goal. And, And you know what? That great theologian Mick Jagger was right. When he wrote the song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. He was right. He speaks for the entirety of humanity, including many Christians. All of life is training ourselves to be satisfied and content with where God has us and what God gives us. Not because He's denying us what we want, but He's testing our resolve. God is not going to share His glory with anybody in this room. Trust me on that. God is never going to bless anybody unless His name is glorified. I mean, that's just as plain a statement as I can make it. Because God blesses according to His glory. It's all about God. And we are here in this world, you know, like, like uh, uh, Yvonne said, we, we're, we're not guaranteed the next second. All right? We're not guaranteed. Something can happen, and it can drastically change the way we live. But sometimes we think God's promises are only for our satisfaction. We don't stop to think that God made a promise to himself first. To glorify himself first. To bring his name above every other name. And when we do, this is what happens. According to, the, according to Romans chapter 5, verses 1-4. to four. Let me just read this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, And hope does not disappoint us because when we face God one day, we would have known that our lives had been given to the glory of His name. Peace, perseverance, character, joy, and hope are all activities of the soul. We gain this through the testings that we go through in this world. And the testing that we go through in this world must give glory to God because in response we have to show Him that we trust Him, and that we obey Him. Okay? Secondly, dissatisfaction with God's promises dishonors the blessed life that He promised us. That would lead to being disappointed with God's provisions. It's all related. Dissatisfaction with His promises will lead to disappointment with His provisions. The people were hungry. They cried out. They craved for other food. You know, we have a... Um, ministry here called Door of Hope, you know, we got stifled because of the um, pandemic, and we feed the hungry in our church, you know, we have that thing going, and one time I was there, there's this homeless and hungry guy that came up to us, you know, and we were uh, serving spaghetti that day, it was good too, and this guy came out, and he says, I don't eat spaghetti, I don't like spaghetti, I want steak or chicken, do you have it? It's an insult. It's an insult to what God says I'm giving you. And that's what the people did. And you know what happened? They cried out to God. And I want you to to, to take this point and then we're going to move on to the next one. They were so angry that they don't have meat. Okay? And that they cried out to God. And they say, God, why, don't we, why, not, why, why aren't we having this meat? Why don't you give us meat? Why did you give us this manna? And they complained. They were not satisfied with the provisions that God has given them. And you know what God did? God sent them quail.